Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Let me get another one. Woo! You're listening to PHLY Post Game. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Funny Games for the evening. Two Show Tuesday ends with, I, I got to quote JJ because it was a great one. <laughs> OT in OT, Owen Tippett <laughs> ends it uh, against the Devils. You know, this was, uh, and I want to talk tonight, uh, joining me as always, Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor. Can't it's get me. too far ahead of myself. Yeah. Have to introduce <laughs> you. get the intro. It's, it's just, a, it's an exciting one, man. This was, I'm just really starting to feel it. Like, I, I know it's, it, it's a Tuesday against the Devils, but... <laughs> Like, for a lot of reasons, this was a great test. I said on our live show today from Reading Terminal Market, if you caught it, it was a great time. Uh, the podcast went live. If you haven't seen it yet, you might want to check it out. Um, the city is weary. <laughs> we are searching for a hero. You know, the Sixers' uh, winning streak ended last night. The Eagles obviously eagled, uh, <laughs> lost their third in a row. The city is, needs something to get us to this holiday season so all attention turns to the Flyers, and typically when that happens, it's a disaster. Yeah, historically. <laughs> and, and by and historically, I mean over the last like eight or so years. Since you and I have been doing <laughs> this together, that is basically what the case has been. And not tonight, a Tuesday against the Devils, my go-to... This is my nightmare scenario. I'd rather be doing anything but post-game following a Tuesday against the Devils. Devils are fun now. now. The Devils are fun, and the Flyers are fun way ahead of schedule, and they played a good game against each other tonight. Uh, both of their meetings this year have gone to overtime. Uh, both have ended in pretty dramatic fashion. But I, I just, I guess we should start with um, Owen. Let's go with Owen Tippett sure. first. because. The hero. The hero of the night. This was the Ryan Palin game. It would have been sick if he could have closed out the hat trick. But the second hat trick of his career, Not yet to be. Not yet to be. Uh, Owen Tippett, who on Monday's show during the mailbag, we were asked to rank the four Flyers young forwards three years from now. Uh, And I believe you had Tippett second? I had Tippett third. Third. And I put him fourth. Right. Uh, Of course, tonight we see... 
that flash of, and he had some chances all night. He was in position. He and Forster uh, both just missed a couple of chances, but yeah, we saw the ceiling, the thing that we always are like, well, when Tippett's going, he can absolutely take over. And that's what we saw on that shift tonight. Makes the turnover, turns it into a goal the other way, beats the goalie with a shot. That's what you're looking for out of this guy. If yep. he could somehow bottle this and get it, obviously, if he could do this consistently, it'd be like, well, yeah, he's he's the Hart Trophy winner. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. His name's Austin Matthews. He's going to score 60. Uh, but if he could do what he did tonight on a somewhat more consistent basis, we're talking about, if not a first-line caliber player, a damn good second-line guy, right? I think, and this speaks to what I've been saying about Owen Tippett for a while now, is that I view Owen Tippett as a high-variance player. And while you don't want high-variance players as one of your two or three best forwards on your team, I love the idea of Owen Tippett being a long-term piece on this team where he's in the middle six, and he is a middle six guy. They're going to have to pay him. He's going to have to, you know, they're going to have to open the checkbook up a bit, but I don't think they're going to have to pay him a ton. I don't think he's going to be getting paid like a star, but he's the kind of guy who I want as one of my depth scores, because I would almost rather, in terms of the way I'm, I'm building a team, I would rather have, if I have two guys who score 50, 55 points a year, and that's what they're ultimately going to deliver, I'd rather have the guy who, you know, gets those points in bunches and or has his really good games be games where he wins you a game rather than being a guy where, you know, yeah, he's more consistent. I'm fine with a guy like Owen Tippett being a little inconsistent as long as you're not overpaying him to be inconsistent. But the concept of inconsistency is more acceptable when the highs are as high as they are with Owen Tippett. And we yeah. saw tonight how high his highs can be. Legitimately, it's always, we always use the baseball reference, but it's, I always think of the Pat Burrell, like, is he your best player? No. Will he carry your offense for two weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he will. And like, that's sort of that high variance, like you're talking about. Like, yeah, a guy who gets two assists every three games, that's nice. But, you know, what's real nice, the dude who can just make the play that you saw tonight. And at the end, it's like, oh, 27, 30 goals. Okay, he's not a star. Yeah. But those the games in which he scored, like, you know, eight of his 27 goals are game winners. Like, oh, okay. So that's, you know, that's a pretty nice number. Well, and, and it's not even, and not yeah. just game, obviously, but game winner is uh, just. Obviously, tonight was a game winner. Yeah. To me, it's not even the timing. Like, yeah, obviously, you'd love to no. see a guy yeah. score all of his goals, be, be game winners. It's the fact that, and this goal is a perfect example, it's the fact that he can create goals for himself out of nothing. He does all three things. Yes. Like, like, like there are some guys where, yeah, they're going to get you points, but they have to be involved in a play with multiple teammates, they have to have help. Yeah, they have high hockey IQ, and yeah, they're good passers or whatever. Owen Tippett on this play, like, that goal happens for one reason. Owen Tippett's Owen on the Tippett. ice. Owen yeah. Tippett steals the puck and then rips one by the goalie. That goal was manufactured by one man, Owen Tippett, and there are not that many guys that can do that, not just on the Flyers, but period. And yeah, I'll be willing to accept some inconsistency from Owen Tippett knowing that he has the ability to change a game in the way that, and like, 
I think Joel Farabee is a better player than Owen Tippett. I do not think Joel Farabee has the game-changing ability that Owen Tippett has. Interesting. And that's why I think Owen Tippett can be valuable for this team for years to come because you need guys like that who can create something out of nothing. I think Tippett is one of those guys who can. I, I really liked what I saw in this game from... I, I thought tonight against uh, against the Devils team that hasn't got the results that they were looking for this season. They've dealt with some injuries. Obviously, the goaltending is killing them. But it's a tough matchup for the Flyers in that it's just a fast-skilled team, great power play. Yeah. I mean, just the firepower, unbelievable that they have. Yeah. Some high-end talent. It's a tough matchup, and they've played them tough a couple of times. The Devils but, are built, essentially, the yeah. way that the tank crew wants the Flyers to be built. Yes. With, like, six or seven top ten picks, and they just have the high-end guys that can just do what Owen Tippett does, but consistently. And I thought <laughs> it was, it was like, the guys who stood out to me tonight were... An interesting group. I'm obviously Owen Tippett. I mentioned Tyson Forster. Thought he played a strong game. Obviously, like, all right, if you don't finish the chances, it's how much can I really... Oh, you were great. He wasn't great, but I noticed him a lot. And then there's Ryan Paling, another guy who plays hard, a guy who plays with a lot of pace and can create a little bit more offense for you than... Some would have uh, some would have guessed maybe, and I want to I, I want to talk about Paling a bit because big he's, game tonight. Obviously, I mean two goals. That's almost almost got that hat trick. Uh, but a <laughs> couple of goals tonight. He finds himself back in the top nine this time because Scott Lawton demoted. Right, and just looking at those two kind of switching roles with Paling jumping up to be third line center, Lawton dropping down to the fourth line. Ryan Paling turns 25 in a couple of weeks. He'll be 25 on January 3rd. Lawton will be 30 a, uh, a week or two after the parade down Broad Street. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's I, I said it. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Paling now has four goals, nine points on the season, averaging just over 13 minutes. Lawton, two goals, 13 points on the season, just under 16 minutes. If Paling can maybe, because this age, this 24-25 range, is right when Scott Lawton started to show, maybe there's a little bit more yeah. there than nice little grinder for you. Yep. Started to show there was a little more. If Paling can somehow kind of exceed Lawton in that role, kind of replace him, would that make Scott Lawton expendable to this team? Well, I mean, I think you could already make the case that depending upon what the return would be, that Scott Lawton could be trade. I don't think they're going to trade him in, the, in, in season. Not He's in too season. important no. to what they're trying to build in terms of the culture, in terms of you know him being a team leader. He's still the only guy who's wearing an A, so it's not like they're going to trade him in the, in, in, at the deadline or whatever. I don't see that happening. But, yeah, the, the big thing that, that Paling has going for him is age, and that's really what it boils down to. Because yeah. I, I do think right now we are comparing... We're comparing Ryan Paling after his big game and Scott Lawton while he's struggling at his absolute worst. Like, he is playing poor hockey straight up. He's just not playing at his normal level. I do expect him to bounce back. However, when you have one guy who's six years younger than another guy and you're looking to make this into a long-term thing... Yeah, yeah, there's there's an element here where Paling could be that guy who ideally is on your fourth line but has the skill to play up in the lineup. I don't think he is as 
balanced of a player as Scott Lawton. I think Lawton has a little bit more of a well-rounded skill set as compared to Paling. However, Paling's a lot better of a skater, and Lawton isn't slow. Just Paling is legitimately fast. Paling's fast, yeah. And if they look at it as Paling can be our fourth-line center and we can move him up in the way that we move up Lawton when things happen, then, yeah, it does make it easier. Maybe not from a cultural standpoint, but from a lineup standpoint, it makes it easier for you in the offseason the next time another team sends you a compelling offer. Maybe now you don't say, no, we can't afford to lose Scott Lawton. I just, it's definitely possible this is just a slump for Scott Lawton. We're also looking at a guy who... Maybe this was always his ceiling. I feel like maybe has overachieved a bit over the last couple of years. I mean, obviously, last year, 18 goals. That's not... Well, he that, also got a ton of ice he time. He got a ton of ice yeah. time because the team was terrible. Someone had to play. Like, and so good for him. But, like, 18 goals in 78 games from Scott Lawton, I don't think anyone believes, like, oh, that's who he is. Yeah, I agree. Like, no. Uh, he played maybe a little bit over his head the last few years. I, I'm just... What if now he's 29, he'll be 30 by the end, or when the season ends, he'll turn 30. What if this is just kind of the, okay, this is what happens to a guy like him who was never a dynamic player to begin with. I just wonder now, like we go back uh, a few years even to when they gave him the extension. It was like, well, we're either going to trade you or give you the extension and they extended him. Have they now after hearing, oh yeah, they could have got a first round pick maybe missed that opportunity i don't know if they've missed the they i don't think they've missed the opportunity to trade him maybe they're not going to get a first round pick however i do want to say that like we don't have any actual confirmation that a team offered a first round pick like this has become gospel in flyers world that they turned a first round pick and more down for scott lawton like i do not know if there was ever this like enormous package that has people so angry <laughs> they didn't trade package. scott lawton however yeah, they probably missed their chance to sell as high as possible on Scott Lawton. I do, however, think that if they were to put him up for auction in the offseason, there would be multiple teams interested. I, I don't think this is a case of Lawton has become a negative value asset. And again, we're talking about him in the midst of a slump. He's not playing well. I fully expect at some point this season for him to start playing better and for him to end up back in the top nine. I do not think this is who he is. That said, he is turning 30 now in, in May, I believe his, his yeah. birthday's in May. Yeah. And yeah, you know, this is the aging curve. This is why we've been talking about the possibility of, you know, maybe signing Travis Konechny to an eight-year contract isn't the smartest thing because the aging curve does, does come for everyone. Maybe it's coming for Scott Lawton. It's possible. It is. And like... If they move on from Scott Lawton in the offseason and don't get the return, and I do expect they could still get a decent return, yeah, I, I even if so. it's not a... And listen, the teams that are looking to add, trade hit a first-round pick for him are the teams that are like, well, we're picking 27th, so who gives a shit? Exactly. We're getting Scott Lawton, but we won't have him for three years. We'll just get Scott Lawton now. Yeah. Like, So it's, it's not as if you're getting some blue-chip prospect. But, uh, like, I... Uh, I don't know. I, I'm just very torn right now. Like... I just want to make the point of, I want I wanted you to make the point. I think they'll still get something for him. Yeah, I do. Because the hockey men still believe in Scott Lawton. Yes. Like I think that's the most important thing is if they do move on. It's like, well, 
who loves him? John Tortorella. You know who believes John Tortorella to be gospel? Like half the league. You know? <laughs> you know? Like, so I do think they would still get something for Lawton if they were. And it is hopefully just a slump for him because I love watching that dude when he's right. He's... He's a badass yeah, out he's there. he's a fun player. Uh, we did just have a comment say, uh, Joel, where to go? Joel worked his... A- Joel, I'm still Joel. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Joel Otto. Uh, Joel Farabee worked his ass off in this game. He was everywhere. Uh, I think he only comes away with one assist Yeah, the tonight. primary assist yeah. on one of the pay levels. Uh, but he was one of the dudes who... Maybe if I was going to do the three stars that I'm going to ask you for a little bit later, I think he would definitely be in consideration because he did make some plays tonight. Uh, you wanted to take a look at the ice time because that's something we've been kind of making conversation about over the last few days. Fourth tonight, is that just amongst forwards or just, all flyers? Just amongst forwards. Amongst forwards, 1734, yeah. so not bad. That's, that's what we want. That's, that, that's, that's around what that's I want 17, 18 range we've been talking yeah, about. Exactly. Like it's only, a, oh, well, he's only getting 15, and we wanted it at 17. It's like... Okay, it's not a huge jump yeah. here. The dude needs to play on both power plays, and he's there. Yeah. But dude needs to play on both power plays because he's one of their best forwards. Exactly. But, yeah, I, I like the fact that he was up there. You have Couturier, Konechny, Forrester. There's your top line. Their top three in ice time. Joel Farabee's fourth. That's about where I want him to be. I don't think, you know, you need to be force-feeding him minutes the way they were force-feeding, like, Tippett and Frost minutes at the end of last season. But I do think he needs more than what he's getting. And the point I made today at our show uh, at Reading Terminal Market, which was a blast. Thank you so much for Reading Terminal. Thank you so much for uh, for our sponsor, uh, Bagels & Co. Ba- yeah, Bagels & Co. Bagels & Co. Great. Um, great bagels. Anyway, um, I the point I made is that the two guys who I think he should be taking minutes away from are Cam Atkinson and Scott Lawton, who we just talked about. And that's kind of exactly what happened tonight. Cam Atkinson actually was pulled off the power play in the third period in favor of Paling, who was hot, which that's fair. But also I like the fact that it was Atkinson who was pulled off the power play and not Farabee because, yes. frankly, Atkinson deserves to be pulled off the power play right now because he ain't scoring. Joel Farabee is. So I like that decision. Atkinson overall ninth among forwards, 13, 13 minutes, 48 seconds. And then Scott Lawton actually 12th, dead last among forwards, 9 minutes, 26 seconds. And again, like I think Scott Lawton will ultimately earn his way back up the lineup. But right now, he does not deserve the minutes. I don't think he deserves to be scratched. I don't think they need to call somebody up and bench Scott Lawton. But he definitely doesn't deserve to be getting top nine minutes, whereas Joel Farabee deserves a few more minutes. And Cam Agatson, what's this, like the 14th straight game he's gone without a goal? Maybe you, you bump his ice time down a little bit because you say, hey, you're a goal scorer who's not scoring goals. You're still useful on the penalty kill. It's not like you're playing terribly, but maybe the guy who's top five in the league in primary points per 60 of 515 should get a couple of your shifts. It's like he's a Cam Atkinson is a good, solid hockey player. But the thing that makes him special is his ability to put the puck in the net. Yes, exactly. If he does not do that, then he's no different than anyone else out there. He's just another guy who's capable of eating some minutes for you. Exactly. Uh, But what we're seeing right now with Lawton and Atkinson, and this is something I wanted to ask you even before, like we saw kind of how everything played out is, you know, we've seen uh, Travis Konechny, you know, kind of change the coach's mind about him, be like, oh, 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 he can be that type of player. And now he's one of the coach's favorites, even though he says, this dude drives me nuts, (laughs) but I keep putting him out there because he does good stuff. And then we've seen Travis Sanheim, maybe it's just out of necessity, but we've seen Travis Sanheim kind of change the coach's mind about him. With Atkinson and Lawton, is this 
are these the first examples we've seen of the coach kind of being like, uh, maybe abandoning his bias a little the other way? Like these guys I love who are a big part of, you know, this culture I'm trying to build, but yeah, I can't put him out there that much. Yes, I do. I don't think it's going to change his opinion of them as players or no. as people, but it definitely shows. And honestly, Tourist did this, did this at the end of last year, too, with Lawton. He obviously didn't do it with Atkinson because Atkinson didn't play last year. But Lawton was one of the guys, in addition to Kevin Hayes, who got his minutes cut a bit at the end of the year when they were using guys like Frost and Tippett and Cates a lot more, wanting to give those kids a look. Lawton was one of the guys who got his minutes pulled back. He's getting his minutes pulled back now, but this is mostly because he's just not playing well. Like, he took that penalty, and there was that look on Torts' face. That was a classic John Tortorella look. That was um, so good. That was, I'm in the car listening on the radio during that penalty. It's like right when I got here, I'm about to, and I just hear it's Lawton, and I was like, oh. And you know, and, he, and the, the Torts look was exactly you know, that look in facial form. Like, you know. He felt like this is the last thing I need. God yeah. damn it. Yeah. Like this is the opposite of what I needed to do. Like he didn't he doesn't need to score goals in order to stay. That's True. not yeah, Scott Lawton scores 18 last year. Cool. That's but that's not his game. Yeah. Not screwing up yeah. is what he needs to do. It's like a stupid tripping penalty. Uh, yeah. I, I I legit felt bad for him because it was one of those like stepped on the sticks uh, sort of and it's yeah. But, but I, my, my point is is yeah. that I don't think it's going to change Tortorella's opinion of them as players or people, but I do think that he is showing that he's willing to bump them down the lineup if they continue to struggle. As I said, I think there's a distinction between Atkinson's struggles and Lawton's struggles. Atkinson, I think, is just not scoring. Like, he's just snake-bitten. Yeah. He's in a slump. I think he's going to come out of it at some point. Lawton is legitimately playing poorly all around. You saw it with the penalty. I thought that fourth line honestly got crushed Oof. tonight. Like, the McLeod line destroyed the Lawton line. And, like, I'm not saying... I'm not going to... Let me put it this way. I don't think especially highly of Nick Delore as a player... I understand his value in terms of locker room and in terms of him making the kids feel protected. I get that. I don't think very highly of him as a five-on-five player. I do think that if you have Scott Lawton, who is like a fringe bottom sixer guy who's sort of a top niner but sort of not, and then Garnet Hathaway, who's a legitimately good fourth liner— if you have those two guys on your fourth line, you should not be getting crushed. Should be by, pretty decent. You should not be getting crushed by another team's fourth line to the degree that they were crushed by the McLeod line tonight. I've always said, like, it, Scott Lawton might be a third liner. If you have him on your fourth line, awesome. Because yes. it means you have a good fourth line. Exactly. That has not been the case since he's since his demotion. Down, yeah. And that's not great. You know what is great? One of our newest sponsors. It's Factor Meal Kits. This busy holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, flavorful, flavorful meals to fuel you on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. Choose from 35-plus 
chef. <laughs> Chef-crafted meals every week that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, whether it's calorie smart, vegan and veggie, protein plus, and more wholesome options. If you're looking for calorie-conscious options over the holidays that don't skip on flavor, you're in luck. You can try delicious, dietitian approved calorie smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. If you need an extra boost to support your wellness goals and feel your best during the holidays, try Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Factor isn't just for dinner either. Count, count on extra convenience any time of day with an assortment of 55 plus add-ons to, to suit various preferences and tastes. Suit and sweet are tough when you're reading it. Uh, to suit various <laughs> preferences and tastes. Choose from quick breakfast items, lunch to go, grab-and-go snacks, and ready-to-drink cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. This December, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com flyers50 and use code flyers50 to get 50% off. That's code flyers50 at factormeals.com flyers50 to get 50% off. Bill, you're going to have to practice that I, one. That one... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> that one, yeah. I there's a lot of hyphens and like like chef prepare like And then there there's a lot of uh Fs. Fs yeah. yeah. And Especially my, at the end flyers fifty. Yeah, that's not my strongest letter. Uh <laughs> just, despite my favorite word beginning with it. Um oh, anyway. Flyers, so, right? Flyers, yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> my God. Uh that, I'll get it down, Factor Meals. It's the first time I've done that one. Don't pull the sponsor based on this. I'm sure our other hosts are doing great with it. Uh, I, I do want to talk about this rivalry with the Devils because this game, I won't say it got like chippy or physical. Obviously, that brand of hockey's probably gone until the playoffs throughout the league. Yep. Um, and I understand it's a real long season. Guys would die. There'd be no playoffs. But well, they survived back in the day. So the yeah. game is 150 You're times faster than it You're was not wrong. as well. <laughs> like oh my, like Bobby Orr. It's like yeah, like everyone's as good as him now. Yeah. Like it's anyway. This rivalry with the Devils. Like both of their games have gone to overtime. This nine-game point streak started with an overtime loss to the Devils. They've now gotten them back with an overtime win. This was badly needed. Like I saw in our Discord tonight, I saw on Twitter tonight, like a lot of people just talking about, like, yeah, listen, since Crosby came into the league and everything, Penguins, sure. But for most people, like, you know, millennials, we're, we're not that young anymore. Yeah, right. Like we grew up and it was like, in my mind, the Devils won a, a pair of cups that basically like flyers were whited out on, mm. you know? And like this rivalry being what it is, is very exciting. Like I've never really had it for the Rangers. Like screw New York and all that. It's never really meant anything to me with the Rangers. The Devils though, like I'm from New Jersey. A lot of people that I know are Devils fans. It was like my neighborhood was divided. Right. It was like gangs. <laughs> we would fight wow. in street hockey. You know, oh, like man. I am just really happy that this could like be a thing again. And we saw the Devils rebuild. They have all these really great young players, and it's like, oh well, now the Flyers are rebuilding, so it might not line up again. It looks like it might, and that's pretty exciting. It is interesting about 
this the concept of the Flyers Devils rivalry because it's funny. So one of the people I follow on Twitter, um, who is significantly younger, I think she's like in her early twenties, was like, I don't understand why people act like there's a Flyers Devils rivalry. And that's fair because if you're in your early twenties, you wouldn't think there's a Flyers Devils rivalry. However, if you were a fan of hockey and the Flyers in the mid nine mid to I would say mid nineties to ninety five to mid two thousands, mid, to, to yeah. I would say around maybe even through the end of the 2000s. Yeah. Um, they met in 2012. Yeah. You loathe the Devils. I mean, I I am a Flyers journalist. I still despise the Devils <laughs> franchise. I do not think the New Jersey Devils should exist. I think it's insane that you have two teams in New York City and then a third team in the New York City suburbs in North Jersey because North Jersey is the New York City suburbs. I do not think the Devils should Why? exist. And I'm still angry that the Devils basically ruined the sport of hockey by implementing the trap and doing their whole thing in the mid to late 90s. So I hate the Devils. It's funny how, like... It's now getting to the point where you have to be like over the age of, say, like 28 to hate the Devils because anyone younger than that is like, well, who cares? They're the Devils. They're fun. They're a fun team. Brodeur, Why hate the, them? The guy from those Enterprise Rent-A-Car commercials? Why do you hate Marty Brodeur? Because like, I do. Because <laughs> yep. I could watch a game for five minutes and know, oh, we're not scoring tonight. Well... Might as well do something else. Like that's why. No, and it's just no. Like, I, I, I absolutely. Have, I have so many reasons yeah, oh, to hate to hate Marty Berdor. It's so freaking many, and I just do. I, do I need to bring up? Uh, <laughs> do, do I need to bring up Marty Berdor's sister-in-law? <laughs> do I need to bring that story? Up? I don't even. I always get Berdor and Chipper Jones, whatever their ridiculous things were. Uh, confused. He had he had an affair with his sister-in-law, and then they ultimately got married. Kind of a scummy thing to do. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is some great shit. That is some awesome. Little scummy. Okay, that's that is that is the Brodeur one. Okay, yeah, it's. I'm just happy that this is back, and it's. I just, yeah, I I hate the Devils. I hate them so badly. Like, I think, I will say, I think the Flyers played a role in ruining hockey because it was like, well, yeah, well, we're going to spend every dollar imaginable. Yeah, but that's fine. Yeah, but that's great. We just great. had a rich guy. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> no, I'm fine with it. I wish all teams would do that. And if you're not willing to, you shouldn't own a sports team. Exactly. But it was like the Devils not doing, like the Devils were the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. And it was like, yeah, we're going to. We're going to just do this other thing. And it's not as if they didn't have a bunch of Hall of Famers. Like, Scott Stevens, one of the best oh, yeah. defensemen to ever play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, they was they just, had a good team. They just infuriated me, and I will never forgive them for it. But it's just funny how this hasn't been a rivalry for no. a while, basically for the entirety of the 2010s to today. And it would be pretty cool because, look, the Devils ain't going anywhere. With the, with the amount of, of young talent they have that is looking high-end, and then a bunch of other good players that they all have. I mean, they have Timo Meyer. They have guys like Jesper Bratt. Like, they have that other tier that wasn't necessarily taken, you know, either not taken at all or certainly not taken in the top 10. But then they have so many guys that were taken in the top 10. You obviously you got Jack Hughes. You got Nico Heeshear. You got uh, Nemetz and, uh, and, then Jack, and then Jack Hughes' brother, Luke Hughes. I mean, you have so many good young players if alexander holtz who hasn't even like established himself yet but he's another guy they have so many young guys they ain't going anywhere now it's up to the flyers to show that they can stay on this level and let us not forget the devil's owner come on oh josh harris just an absolute yeah. scumbag I just mean. the worst of the worst <laughs> like I, listen amazing I, I, it's just 
you can you can own multiple assets and everything, but when you own one of the Wells Fargo Center inhabitants, and then you're like, oh yeah, their roommate, uh, I own one of their rivals, and like, oh across the street the Eagles, yeah, one of their rivals too, just yeah. an absolute loser. I agree. I just I agree. Fuck him. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> so Samuel Erson gets the start tonight. Erson, 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 Person. Erson. 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 I'll never get it. I am never going to be able to get it. He gets the start tonight, his fourth straight start. Cal Peterson actually backs up tonight. Uh, Clearly they just didn't think that Hart could go even in a backup. Carter Hart still not feeling well, still ill. Uh, We hear the other day that he's just kind of really frustrated, can't really figure out what's the matter with him. He's been sick like three times in a month. So he goes to the doctor and gets some sort of diagnosis of me or some sort of explanation. Yes, it of, seems like he was yeah. officially diagnosed I, with I don't something. want to say like diagnosis yeah. of his, like he's yeah, got... Yeah, it's not like he has cancer. Yeah, like, I, but, I don't, but clearly, yeah. I mean, you can be diagnosed with something that yes. isn't cancer. You can be diagnosed with some type of stomach condition he got or some type of, you know, immune thing or whatever. You never know. He got some sort of explanation that he at least can wrap his head around. Should we be concerned? I only ask because... It's the Flyers. Crazy shit keeps happening to them. It seems like the doctors believe they've identified what the problem is, and it doesn't seem like it's a life-threatening type thing. It just seems like it's something that is causing my guess's stomach just because I know that one of them he straight up said he thought was food poisoning. So if that's related, you would assume that food poisoning stomach, if it's a recurring thing, maybe it's a stomach thing. The hope is, is that get him on the right meds, get him maybe has, maybe has to change his diet a little bit. You never know. He's, he hasn't been willing to reveal the details. And I think that's totally fair. I think, you know, this is a private medical thing. This doesn't seem like it was an injury that, that occurred in a hockey game. It looks like this is some type of, you know, illness that he has and man's got ibs yeah like i i I think we can we can agree to respect his privacy in the situation that said look i'm not going to argue with you that it's a little concerning that your starting goalie who you're gonna have to make a decision on whether you're going to commit to him long term has something going on that has now caused him to miss four straight games it's a bit concerning especially considering you know it'd be one thing if like, all right, and they're just kind of getting by. Like, they were winning some games, but they're they're scoring six a night in order to do it. That's not the case. Samuel Harrison has been really good. Very good. And seems to be getting stronger. Like, I, I point back to that uh, OT goal he gave up, not squeezing it in, uh, in Nashville, just sitting on the top of his pad. Uh, gets knocked in on a second effort. Yeah. He says, like, listen, it's on me. I need to I need to stop that. I need to freeze it. I need to know where it is. And he didn't. Took the blame. And since then, he has been great. Uh, allows two goals tonight. And it's not like the Flyers give up a ton of shots in the game. They don't typically give up a ton of shots. Uh, but that third period, he was kind of under siege. He was, yeah. And he was really good. And the two goals he does give up are, like... You know, doorstep had no chance at them sort of goals where it's the Devils just kind of won a battle in front on both of them. Yeah. The power play goal when, was especially. Yeah, and the power play. Yeah, like that was fluky. What, yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Um, that bounce. At a certain point, it, we're seeing Arison get a ton of time now because there's no Carter Hart. Could this be going towards? Well, he's just so good, we have to play him, even though they've been. 
They've been reluctant to do that thus far. Well, I think before this stretch, they kind of fallen into a rhythm where Arison was getting at least one game a week, and I like that. Now, Arison's playing really well. I, I didn't have a chance before the game to look this up, but I'd love to see what his numbers are if you take out those, like, even just that th those first two games. Let's let's include the one he came in relief of, of heart, but just those first two games, I imagine his numbers are pretty freaking good. I am very much a Sam Harrison believer, and I think on our last show here, not the one we did this, this afternoon at the Rain Terminal, yeah. but our last show here, our Mailbag Monday show, I said that... I do think that the emergence of Sam Harrison, because I believe he can be a legitimate starting NHL goalie, does give me more hesitation in terms of locking Carter Hart up long term. And I still hold to that. I think Sam Harrison can be a number one goalie at the NHL level. I think he's good enough. And while I think Carter Hart is a legitimately good starting NHL goalie, the more time passes, the less convinced I am that he has another gear. Like, this might just be who he is. And to be to be honest, who he is right now is pretty darn good. He's a good NHL starting goalie. You can win a Stanley Cup with Carter Hart as a starting goalie easily. But if you have another guy who's basically also that <laughs> and is younger and cheaper, I, I think you have to seriously consider the possibility, and obviously the Hockey Canada thing complicates things, but you have to seriously consider the possibility of thinking about maybe planning for Arison to be the guy two, three years down the road and not Carter Hart. Carter Hart is going to cost them a decent chunk of change, no matter which way you look at it. Big goalie contracts scare the yeah. shit out of me. And they're, I know the cap's going up. I know they have some expiring contracts. They're probably going to be able to make things work and not be in a ton of cap trouble. Also have to factor in the like $12.5 million they have to give Elias Pettersson. So just throwing that but in also, and, and we, we talk about the cap going up, and it is. <laughs> it's and, going and, up $4.5 no, million. No, and, and, that's, and it's going to go up more yeah, over the next I mean, few years, and allegedly. that's important. But what you have to remember is that just having the ability to keep all of your players, that's not enough to win. Like... What you need to do if you want to build a team that is cup worthy is you have to have a lot of guys providing value far beyond what they're being paid. And if you're signing Carter Hart to like a six, seven million dollar a year contract, do I think like to me, that's a risk number one, because goalies are fluky. They're weird. They get hurt. They break down. I have no idea if that's going to happen to Carter Hart or not but it's a risk that you you take into account if you sign into a five, six, seven-year deal. In addition, you you I don't know if he's better than a six, seven million dollar a year goalie. Like the way you win in the NHL is you have four million dollars, you have a you have a, an eight million dollar guy and a four million dollar contract. You have a ten million dollar guy on an ELC. You have a bunch of guys getting underpaid because that's the point of a cap world. You have to try to fit the best team under a cap ceiling. And if Carter Hart is a $6 million a year true talent goalie and you're paying him $6 million a year, yeah, you've got the stability of knowing you have a good goalie, but you're not gaining any surplus value out of that deal. And that is my big concern with locking Carter Hart up to a big contract is I'm just not sure what kind of surplus value he provides beyond just the certainty of knowing you have the goalie position locked up, which is valuable, but it's no, it's some, it's suddenly it's not as valuable if you have another Carter Hart behind him who can provide that same thing for a lot less money. If, and just to put a bow on the uh, Samuel Harrison 
if you just take out those first two games, uh, the five goals he gave up against Dallas, the seven he gave up against Anaheim, 925 save percentage through the Detroit game, and then you look at tonight, he stopped 24 of 26 for 923. So he's basically 925. I'm loving that. Like that's loving that. That's what he has been. Yeah. Since start three, yeah. and like start three was the two goals on nine shots. Yeah, that, that was even, that was the appearance. Or, he came the, in, yes, he, he came, came in late. Yes. It was not the start. Yes. Yeah, so like he has been really, really good. Aside from the two starts he made when he hadn't played in a month, like that's pretty damn good. And I do think. I mean, I know this is a small sample size, and I'm the one who always is screaming small sample sizes, but I do get the sense that. Sam Harrison is legitimately good at stopping breakaways. And if you're legitimately good at stopping breakaways, maybe he could be the shootout savior that the Flyers have needed ever since they implemented the shootout. It's absolutely incredible that they have one of these guys who's that good at this thing. Like, we'll it's, see. It's maybe so maybe he then gives up I his mean, next five breakaways. Or goals, he's going to give up some. He of stopped, course he is. He stopped a breakaway tonight. Like He's really good at this. He's going to give up some because that happens. But that's something where like some goalies are better at breakaways than yeah. others. And we kind of hope that Hart was going to be better at it than he's proved to be. Not that he's terrible at it, but he didn't turn around the shootout thing when he showed up. Sam Harris is so far. He looks pretty good at the shootout. So, hey, if you want to see this Flyers team we're talking about up close, you don't have a ton of opportunity to do them until after the new year. I think the next time they're going to be home after Thursday is uh, January 3rd, maybe? Something like that? It might be after so, that. It, uh, might, yeah, it might be like the following week. Uh, it's, it's it's a, a while. This it's is a, your last chance to watch this team in person for Thursday, a little bit. Thursday against Nashville is the last time you get a chance. So you're going to want to check them out. You're going to want to check them out using Game Time, my friends, because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Just a couple of days now before that Flyers-Predators game. Get on it. You know, it's might be a hot ticket. This is the holiday spectacular they're planning. That's what I heard it called on the radio, the annual holiday spectacular. Also, hey, if you're looking for that last-minute stocking stuffer. Who doesn't love tickets? Exactly. Who doesn't love, Who doesn't tickets, love tickets in the old stopping, stocking? Uh, so Game Time is the, last, is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, baseball, basketball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That was Game Time. Now it's time. Yeah, I think it's time for Charlie O'Connor's three stars of the game. Charlie, this was it was an interesting one because you pointed out earlier in the outline. I don't know if we actually said it like the Devils kind of 
owned the game from a statistical standpoint they did. at 5 I, I, I do think they were the better team in this game on the whole. They're the better team. They are. They are the more talented team. They they led in expected goals um, per evolving hockey, 3.25 to 1.92. The glaring one was on natural stat trick, 17 to 5 high danger chance advantage. This is where the skill disparity does show itself. And this is why it's not... This is why we shouldn't be dismissing the argument that the Flyers could use better players because they could. Yes, they won Watch this. Watch the power play. Yes, they won this game, <laughs> and that's great. However, if you play this game with these two teams at around this level 10 times, the Devils probably win seven. And I don't think you want the Flyers to be trying to thread that needle where they have to overcome the odds to beat the Devils every time they play them. And then in the playoffs, because if we keep this entire playoff structure, probably going to have to go through them if you want to win a cup. So I do think that there is an element here where, yeah, the Flyers won this game. It was a fun game. Great plays by a lot of players. The Flyers do still need to get better, and that's true. But... We're going now into the three stars of the game, correct? We're going into the three stars. So, Charlie, hit us with star number three. So, star number three, I'm going to actually... This was tough. So, you said you said Joel Farabee should be in consideration. He was one of my three stars, and then I had to knock him off. But I'm going to go third star, Sam Harrison. I think he played, okay. played, played very well. Um, came up big came, in some big came spots. Up some big spot. Really, really good, I thought, in the third period. Made some big saves in overtime. He just was all around solid and given the fact that he faced a ton of high danger chances as i just said 17 per natural stat trick he held down the forward extremely well i'm giving him the third star all right charlie so samuel airson star number three who is star number two star number two will be the guy who knocked joel farabee out of his spot in the top three it will be your ot and ot game winner owen tippett honestly he'd had a good game even before the goal he had a lot of shots he was kind of all over the ice i wouldn't quite say he was snake bitten but he was creating chances he just wasn't able to be vanacek and then makes that incredible play in overtime strips jack hughes beats vanacek and there you go one play you win the game for your team basically by manufacturing it out of nothing yeah yeah you're going to be one of the three stars Owen Tippett, six shots in 14.52 tonight. So, yeah, he was all over the place. And that leaves us with star number one. I believe it is the the 4C or 3C. <laughs> 3C on your lineup cards, your 1C in your hearts. Ryan Paling with his two goals. He had a really good game. He had a he really did. good game. He did. A strong game for Paling. Two goals on three shots. Uh, logged almost 17 minutes of ice time. Do you... Uh, you joked on Twitter, like, okay, well, now he's never coming out of the top nine. <laughs> We've seen him moved up in the past just to kind of, all right, Frost isn't really giving us what we want. The I, Okay, well, Lawton is kind of the Swiss Army knife, so we can move him down. Let's give Paling the shot. And now it's like, all right, well, Cates is out. Yeah, We don't like what we're seeing out of Lawton at all, so he has to be fourth line because he's been bad. Morgan Frost has been better, still inconsistent. Ryan Paling's kind of last man standing here. Do you? Do you see him getting some run here on the third line, not just because Lawton's no good, but because he's he's coming through? Well, after a game like this, I think yeah. he's earned himself some leash, without a doubt. And I think John Tortorella has liked what he's seen out of Ryan Paling, so I think he's positively predisposed towards him. I think he really likes his speed. Obviously, he's been very good on the penalty kill in that duo with Garnet Hathaway. But I do think that 
the length of time that Ryan Paling spends in the top nine is probably directly related to how long this Scott Lawton slump lasts. Because I think that, I think Tortorella is high enough on Scott Lawton as a player that he will put him back up into the top nine when Lawton shows him he's ready to be back up in the top nine. Like, I think if Lawton has strings together two or three legitimately good games, gets a couple goals, you know, maybe pops in a shorty on the penalty kill, I think Tortorella will bump Lawton back up. Thing is that right now, I don't know what choice Tortorella has. Lawton is not playing well, and Paling is playing well. So if your goal is to win games, you you have Paling over Lawton at the moment. And if your goal is development, you have Paling over Lawton at the moment because Paling's 24 and Lawton turns 30 in May. Yeah, that's... I think, like, the way they acquired him, he was a waiver claim, right, Ryan Paling? He was or was he, he was, he was a, a signing. So, so he, his, Paling's thing was he played for Pittsburgh last year, yeah. and then he was not offered, not issued a qualifying offer. That's what it was. So, so he, he, became was, he became a free, a free agent. agent. That's, Pittsburgh yes. could have kept him yeah. had they issued him a qualifying offer. They clearly wanted to clear cap space. The Flyers signed him as a young free agent because usually 24-year-olds aren't unrestricted free agents. No. Usually they're under team control. That's oh man, clear all that cap space for Eric Carlson. Way to go, Dubas. Way to go. Well, it's more just like their <laughs> bottom six stinks. It's hard. They could probably use a Ryan Paling right now. It's that team, like people, uh, like people were making a big deal about that Toronto game the other night. Like I get it. It's Kyle Dubas, and the fans are giving it to a former GM, which like you don't hear. Yeah. Like people here weren't chanting Hextall when. Yeah, when, they would though. They would. <laughs> but like, like it was just it was just a really weird thing, and they're like, oh, I can't believe Pittsburgh didn't come out with more fight. Like. They could come out with all the fight you want. They fucking stink. Like, they are a bad team. <laughs> they're and, kind and of a mess. Listen, yeah. it's fun to talk about. Also, they're going to get Macklin Celebrini. So, like, they're not going to get Macklin Celebrini. All right. <laughs> all right. We'll see about that. I've seen this. I've seen this story enough times to know exactly how it's going to go. Oh, the man. sport isn't rigged. The draft lottery is 100% rigged. It's not rigged. rigged, Bill. Oh, come on. It's not rigged. Charlie, you're out of your goddamn mind. If you, think, <laughs> if you think this thing's on the up and up, it's like, oh, yeah, Edmonton just wins it every year. Do they? Yeah. Do you think they won at Connor McDavid in Edmonton? Come on. I do. They're not no. smart. I'm not saying they're, like, the smartest <laughs> people in the world. I'm just like, you know, the Rangers are going to sell out no matter what. It's Madison Square Garden. They don't care. That's all. Yeah, but then they gave the Rangers two lottery wins, and it didn't matter. Yeah. Because they gave them two guys who were, well, Lafreniere looks like he's going to be at least he, he good. He looks like he can play. He he, actually, but he's not going to be, he doesn't look like he's going to be a star. No, but he looks like he can play a little bit. Uh, Kako stinks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to talk a little bit about Travis Sanheim because we've talked about his um, them trying to back off his minutes a little bit, and we see, once again, some pretty even distribution of ice time tonight. He does not even lead the team in minutes. Cam York, 23-16 on the blue line tonight. Sanheim comes in at 21 11. Of little, course, little York. Yam cork action here. You, of course, York is getting power play time, and at this point, Sanheim is. So not, they're, basi right. they're basically even. Flyers uh, 0 for 3 on power play. Just I'm a, shocked. Just this is a, my shocked face. Just an unbelievable, <laughs> just just the the freaking worst. But Sanheim, <laughs> uh, Sanheim makes the uh, makes the initial play on, I believe, the Flyers' first goal. Uh, the set. No, it was the second paling goal. He springs. Yes. He springs Konechny, who then yes. finds uh, Paling on the back door. Very good, very good pass. Uh, just a really, really nice play, I thought, by Sanheim. They pointed out on the broadcast several times, like head up, decisive. Maybe he hasn't been 
the stealing the show Sanheim we saw the first 20 games or so, but even in fewer minutes, he's uh he continues to look like by far their best defenseman and an actual difference maker, which man coming into this season, uh, difference maker, Travis Sanheim. I'd be like, Oh, so he's regressed. He's actually making a difference for the other team now. Oh yeah. Like that's, that's what I would have thought. If yeah. You right. Told me yeah. he's a difference maker. He's been really good. Even in fewer minutes. No, he's been great. I tonight actually by the, uh, by the advanced stats uh, at even strength, he was legitimately one of the Flyers' best players. Uh, Evolving Hockey has him at a 75% expected goal share at even strength. I assume that probably counts overtime. Um, so even, that, yeah. Yeah, even, not five on five. There was three on three in overtime. I thought Sanheim had a good game. I think the big thing with him right now is they are trying to get him to the break, trying to get him to that five-day holiday break that kicks off on Saturday. But... They got two more games coming, so he's got to kind of push through. He did get over that illness. He obviously missed Saturday's game because he was sick. He's look, He looked fine, looked healthy, played a good game. Look, Travis Sanheim, we're now far enough into the season where I think we can confidently state that this is Travis Sanheim. And this goes back to something we talked about earlier this afternoon in our first show of the day about the impact of Bradshaw and you know, we highlighted on that show, we highlighted his impact on Rastafus Line and his impact on Sean Walker, his impact on Nick Sealer. I think you have to add Travis Sanheim to that. Now, you know, it, maybe it's a little bit harder to do because Bradshaw was the coach last year and Sanheim struggled, but this is the best version of Travis Sanheim that we've ever seen. And oh, yeah. while some of that is definitely Tortorella and Tortorella being the, uh, the, the prodder that he is, you know, pushing Sanheim to unlock that more aggressive element to his game. Let me put it this way. I do not think Travis Sanheim has the monster off season that he had this, this past summer. If John Tortorella wasn't yelling at him constantly all last year for not playing with enough oomph, but I do think there's something to be said about the impact of Bradshaw, especially because knowing Travis Sanheim the way I know him in terms of covering him for years and knowing his personality, I have a feeling that his personality clicks and meshes very well with Bradshaw because Bradshaw is more of that cerebral analyzer of the game in the same way that Travis Sanheim is. So I think that's another guy who you can say, good job, Bradshaw. Now we're talking about four defensemen on the team that we can say Bradshaw's done great work with. I can't, like, speaking of coming into, like, I came into the season saying this is one of the worst blue lines ever assembled. On paper, it did not look like, good. But, like, who the hell knew what Sean Walker was? Yeah. Who thought that Nick Sealer could take this sort of step? Rasmus versus the line, and it was like, all right, like, you made this point the other day. All right, yeah, nice season last year. Also, the previous seven, horrible. Yeah, real bad. <laughs> so, like, chances are he's not very good. The fact that they have... Uh, I don't want to overstate Bradshaw's impact on the ability to get the like turn guys into something, but man, if you have this thing where it's like when when Emil Andre comes up once he learns the game and is just like just more ready yeah, than he was, course. that was a nice. We threw you out there. You know what it is now. Yeah. We'll bring you back when you're a yeah, little go, more go ready. Wor go work like, on all the things you stunk yeah. at in your first NHL time, and next time hopefully you won't stink at them. When you bring the like. I have confidence that when we see him or Jinning or Adderd or Bonk in a I'm, couple I'm of really, years. Like, I'm really excited to see what, assuming that Bradshaw is still 
the assistant coach when Oliver Bonk gets here. Like, Bonk is the type of guy that I look at and I say, like, man, I'm excited to see what Bradshaw can do with him. Because the guys they have now, Andre is probably, in terms of prospects, Andre is probably the highest upside guy. Yeah. But he's still a guy where he's not... He's a unique defenseman. He's small. He's not an elite skater, despite the fact that he's small. He's very aggressive. You know, he's a guy where I believe in him, and I think the upside's there, but he has a lot of doubters. I don't think there are many doubters of Oliver Bonk in the scouting community. It's more like you have some who think he's just a clear-cut NHLer, and some who think, hey, this guy could be a first-pair defenseman if it all works out. I'm excited to see what Brad Shaw can do with a clear-cut like exciting defensive prospect. And hey, maybe look at another even more exciting one in this upcoming draft. Chances are they do. They've been collecting these defensemen. Well, this next read, it's for all you other collectors out there. Calling all card collectors. Wheelhouse is our go-to sports card gift sports card, gift, and apparel shop in the Del... I'm having a tough night. In the <laughs> it's Delaware your second show Valley. of the day, Bill. It's fine. <laughs> Their motto is cards and community because love of sports unites us all. They carry all of your favorite card brands like Topps Chrome Baseball and Mosaic Football, as well as t-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell & Ness, 47 Brand, Junk Food, Starter, and Shy Vintage Sports. If you're looking to get your own card, if you're looking to grade your own sports card collection, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. Stop in either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester, open seven days a week at 11 a.m., and use code PHLY and get $10 off any purchase of $25 or more in the store. Also, be sure to give them a follow on Instagram, at Wheelhouse Cards. Told you time and time again. It's just more fun to go to the store, especially this time of year, looking for that perfect gift. You never know what it's really, you know, it looks nice online. Is it chintzy? Is it something I actually want to give somebody and, like, be happy? Like, the look on their face when I give it to them, is it really going to elicit the response I'm getting? Only way to find that out is in store. So stop in, Wayne or Westchester at Wheelhouse Cards, P-H-L-Y, promo code, $10 off. It'll be worth it, I promise. All right. Uh, as I try to just remaster the English language. As I said, this is our second show of the day. We're all running on fumes here. <laughs> as I try to just remaster the English language here, I do want to... Uh, we talked last game about uh, Rasmus versus the line and how strong he was. I thought, like, that early giveaway that leads yeah, that to... Uh, that leads it wasn't to, great. <laughs> when, that, when that leads to Jersey's first goal, I'm like, oh... Well, of course, we sang his praises yeah. just a couple of hours ago, so he's going to follow it up with, ah, shit, old Rasmus is back. Yeah. But he was fine after that. Yeah, the that. rest of the game already was, was fine. It, it was a bad turnover, and, like, listen, he lost a battle down low where he was basically down, like, it was a two-on-one, basically, yeah. and he lost a battle. Yeah. That's it wasn't a great play, but it wasn't like he was a disaster the entire game. No. He had one bad play. I, I was happy to see that bounce back, and that's just another one of those. We talked about the importance of the vets on this team, the coaching of it, whether it's the team as a whole or individuals. Things go wrong, and it's not. A, it's not the end of the world for yeah. this team. That's really nice to see. They they win again after allowing the first goal. Not something they've done a ton this season, but they're they seem to be maturing and progressing. Where outside of the power play, <laughs> outside even, of the power play, things that were even a problem for them a couple weeks ago, they seem to be overcoming a bit. Now they weren't going to go a whole season without winning when they give up the first goal, you know. Right. Like, but it's they're overcoming shortcomings. 
that were a problem for them. You know, even the start of this streak, yeah. well, giving up the first goal, stuff like that. Yeah, and you even saw it on Saturday, you know, the fact that, and I guess they did this too against the Islanders, so it wasn't the first time, but they show they can win that grind it out, you can't even make one mistake kind of game. They win one nothing. I mean, the, the Islanders game, uh, the, the game that was right before, uh, what was that, right after Thanksgiving, the Saturday game? That was the That was the 0-0 zero, zero, zero game. 65 minute of zeros, yeah. yeah. But that was a little bit different because that game, the Flyers just controlled play, I thought. The Red Wings game was one of those games where, like, the Red Wings had their chances. The Flyers just played that game as if they knew we can't make even one mistake. And they didn't make one mistake that ended up in the back of the net. I think, too, thinking back to a story I did on Travis Sanheim back in October on his elevation, his embrace, his success in the role of number one defenseman. If you think back to the second game of the season, he had that awful turnover breakdown where um, Giroux, it was Giroux to, uh, to Kachuk against Ottawa, and it was very much like last year Travis Sanheim. And then third period, he goes out. You know, the Flyers lost that game by a lot. But he goes out and has a decent third period. Then next couple games is real good. I talked to him about it, and he basically said, look, last year, years ago, that play might have messed me up for a week. That I might have had that in my head just running through. I'm, I'm laying in bed, and that's all I can think of is that one stupid mistake that I made where I wasn't hard enough on the puck along the boards. And it affects his play for the next week or two. The new Travis Sanheim just shakes it off, and then game three, he's right back out there taking 26, 25, 26 minutes a night, doing real good. I do think there is absolutely an element of, of maturity, of improved maturity on the part of a lot of the key guys on this team, guys like Konechny, guys like Sanheim, who for a long time did get caught in their own heads and now are much better at shaking off bad plays and just being more even keel in terms of their performance. And that, like, you talked uh, earlier today about Farabee and how he was in his own head. Yes. And at some point, Ackerson pulls him aside and goes, listen, I, I've sucked too. Yeah. Like, so, like, but basically, yeah. And, like, don't look at, like, uh, like, just don't let it get you down. Look at it small picture. Like, all right, go out and win your next shift. Go out and, over these next three games, how can we kind of just be better? And I remember when we talked about that Sandheim play back when it happened, uh, Eric Stahl, or Eric Stahl, Mark Stahl pulled him aside and was like, it's all right, man. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. You make fucking mistakes. Though. You play 26 minutes. You, like, you're going to be perfect 26 minutes? <laughs> sure are. That's insane. Yeah. This game is really, really hard. And I just think of, like, while I have said time and time again, the strategy of this rebuild is not the one I would have gone with. I just opened up the old ESPN app, checked out a score of our uh, Buffalo Sabres. They lost 9-4 to the Blue Jackets tonight. That is a team that is nothing but high-skilled, really good, young players that you should be excited about. And the future is still probably bright in, in, in Buffalo. Uh, they've been horrible since 2011, though. Yeah. And it's gotten them absolutely nowhere. Yeah. This is the difference, I will say, if in between, like, let's just lose and get a bunch of really good young guys, and let's try to... Not just establish the team for the future, but have those young guys that we bring in, the Cutter Gauthiers, the Matvey Mishkovs, Oliver Bonk, whomever, let's have them come into a locker room that's ready-made yeah. so that we're not even making the same mistakes we made with like Richards and Carter where it's like, you guys are the culture. 
It's like, well, we're 21 and we like to drink. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, <laughs> cool. That's just, so do I. But maybe you shouldn't be in charge then. Right. You know, like we should have some of those dudes. And while maybe the Flyers are not going to get a bunch of first overalls, they're not going to have a Jack Hughes. This thing might work. I, I, like it yeah. really feels like they're building something. And I actually, maybe I'm just a couple of 31 games into the season. I'm just buying in because I want to. And I'm drinking the Kool-Aid and this whole thing's going to be a fucking disaster. But like, I actually believe in what they're doing watching them play. I, I think, I think what it boils down to is that there are, there are strengths and weaknesses of both approaches. The, the strength of the tanking approach is what we saw from the Devils is that they have a lot of really, really good young players that unless the whole culture falls apart, they are going to be really good for the next 10 years. That's the strength. The weakness is you might be the Devils or you might be Buffalo and you the fan base suffered for a decade and this is the result. Same thing with Ottawa. Fan base suffered for six years and now where are they? They're still a bad team. They just have a lot of fun young talent that isn't playing as well as you would hope they would. That's the, that's the drawback of that style. Now, the strength of the Flyers' apparent rebuild plan is what you're seeing now that is the that's that's the best case scenario the negative is you just aren't going to have as many of those high-end young guys doesn't mean they're gonna, they're not going to have any obviously they have mitchkoff coming obviously they have Gautier coming the hope is is that maybe you, you nab another first round pick in this draft and maybe you come in with three maybe you can get that number one defenseman somehow in this draft that would be the ideal but it just makes it a narrower path however even though the draft pick path is narrower the developmental path probably is is wider because you just have more help. Like you mentioned about Mark Stahl, we, we talked about Cam Atkinson, about him, you know, kind of patting Joel Farabee on the shoulder. One quote I got a real kick out of, I don't know if we ever talked about this on this show, but this is a quote that I put in my article when I did one on Travis Konechny on the road trip. And basically he said that, you know, he'll come back to the bench sometimes after he does something really stupid on the ice and he just looks over at Couturier and Couturier doesn't even have to say anything. He just looks at him and connect. He's like, yeah, I know. Like, I, I like, it's just like, he looks over, like, he looks over at dad and dad gives him the disapproving look and TK is like, yeah, he's right. And like, that's who those, like when Konechny is 35, that's still going to be who he is. Yes, exactly. And like, that's just, that's just the personality of this club. But that's, that's the thing. The fact that yeah. he, he thinks to do that. Yeah. I got it because Couturier is I know. like I know, Dad. I know, but the, and that's like, like that's a good mad. veteran to have. Disappoint. It's a good veteran to have, and doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt that Sean Couturier is still like a legitimate Selkie contender. That's cool. But you well, get the, you get the sense that even if he starts to decline into his his early to mid thirties, that he's still going to be a guy who you want around young players. That you want him around Cutter Gautier. And you want him teaching him the finer points of winning faceoffs at the NHL level, you know, defensive zone Bobby coverage Clark's at the not NHL be real level. Forever. <laughs> but seriously, like Couturier is very much in my mind establishing yeah. himself as a guy who I even if he ultimately ends up being overpaid at some point during this contract, I do not want to get rid of Sean Couturier. I want Sean Couturier to be on this team through the end of his contract because I think even as he gets older, he will the cap will go up. His cap, it won't seem as onerous, you know, as it's $20 million higher than it is today. But I also think he's going to provide a lot of value in terms of nurturing all these kids that they either already have on the team or aren't here yet, but will be a huge part of this 
in the future. And he's one of the last links to Ed Snyder. All right, uh, before we wrap up, I just want to... You said a few minutes ago the Devils are going to be good for a long time unless things just fall apart. Yeah, How so. much fun is it going to be if their Achilles heel is goaltending for this whole thing? Oh, that would be real like, That will be so, it, so... It would be karma in the best so, way. So, so freaking sweet. Yeah, you know what? They, they got Brodeur. They, uh, they deserve it. Yeah, they got yeah. Brodeur. They got the, the guy who, who wanted to be with his sister-in-law. It's fine. <laughs> um, now, now they get to deal with bad goaltending. Right. That'll be fine. And that is all the time we have for you on PHLY Postgame. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Make sure you have your uh, alerts set here on YouTube. Never miss a live show. Follow the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at PHLY underscore Flyers. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor. Have a great week, Philly.